Welcome to the brand new Everything EOS podcast, the flagship show here at Everything EOS. I'm your host, Zach Gall, and I'm being joined today by my co-host, the man, the myth, the legend, the CEO of block producer Cypherglass, Rob Finch. Thank you all so much for joining us for yet another episode of Everything EOS. Like Zach said, this is now the brand new Everything EOS. The folks at ICO Alert have been kind enough to allow us to host our show on their channel for the past few months. Uh, but now that ICO Alert is sort of going through uh, a, a different transition, if you, you saw our episode on the main channel, you know what we're talking about. We will be here on this new channel. So if you're not already, if you're listening to this on the ICO Alert channel, please check out that link in the description or in the show notes. And uh, come on over to the new channel where we're going to be posting all of our content, all of our updates, all things EOS Ooh, over on that yeah. Everything EOS channel. We say it every time, but it's even more important this time around now that we are hosted on a new channel that you please smash that like button. Go, go ahead and subscribe. Leave a comment. Let us know what you liked about the show. Maybe you can start a discussion in the comments like happens in so many different shows. Uh, so please let us know that you like it by continuing to like and subscribe. All right, and we say this every week, but we mean it even more this week. Please hit the smash the like button, subscribe to this new channel, uh, leave comments because more so now than ever before, Google's algorithm has no idea that this channel exists. Uh, suggested videos and related videos are all based on a, uh, an algorithm and we are a fresh channel now. So we especially need you guys to take the link to this uh, new channel, new video, share it in Telegram, share it on Twitter, uh, like it, subscribe it, and let everyone know that we're on this new channel because we really appreciate all of your feedback and support and we wouldn't be anywhere without you guys. So smash that like button. Rob. Get what the end gets on. What's that? I'm just telling our, our Chinese viewers to smash the like button as well. We got to include everybody, you know? When, when did you learn Chinese? Mandarin. Oh, I'm learning. I'm learning. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, I do uh, 90 minutes of tutoring in the morning, and then I do 90 minutes of practice at night. So I'm I'm learning very slowly but surely. I'm I'm sure my pronunciation isn't 100. Oh, correct. You, you, yet, you take but... your uh, block producing role seriously. Why don't you get through the disclaimer and let's get to the show? Yeah, let's do it. So uh, as we say every time, you know, we're talking about our opinions about open source software. And as a matter of disclosure, Zach Gall and I do hold EOS tokens. If we talk about any other platforms with tokens during the show, we'll mention it then and disclose our ownership then. Uh, but please, as we're talking about our opinions, do not take anything we say, do not take any of our opinions as any kind of legal, professional tax, financial, or any other kind of advice. You should never listen to somebody online for what to do with your own money. So please always do your own research. And remember, these are just our opinions. All right, let's get to it. Bum, bum, bum. All right, let's just jump right into it. Update on the referendum. What's going on with the referendum right now, Rob? Yeah. I saw it as at last checked. I don't know if it changed since I put my notes. 18 out of 30 block producers have approved uh, the latest uh, proposal from EOS Canada. What, what's going on with that? So the first piece to actually implement referendum, the system that allows all the EOS token holders to vote on important updates and, and, and software updates and, and different decisions, um, it, it's almost here. The code has been done. It's just been a matter of actually implementing it on the mainnet. So now that this has been approved by 18 out of the 30 top block producers, 
um, that that official account that stores all the referendum code will be created. So that's the eosio.forum account that'll store all the referendum code and let people know, hey, this is the official place where all the referendum code happens so that there's no confusion, there's no chance for scams, um, anything like that. So now that that's out there, the block producers can go in, they can set the ABI, they can publish the rest of the code, and referendum is one step closer to being implemented. So now we're very, very, very close to actually holding our first referendum <laughs> on the EOS mainnet, which is it's pretty I exciting. So. stoked for us referendum. So I guess we could talk about yeah. what, so even though worker proposal system was thrown out a while ago, I think that conversation is going to come back up now that there's a referendum because I think discussion around it stopped a while ago because block one put on an official statement saying we won't basically that we won't support the main net anymore if you guys push this wps through because it's highly likely that it'll get manipulated by whales and in its original form maybe it would have but i think uh that doesn't mean that discussions should stop there should be more uh fail safes put in place but i think uh the discussion around the wps should uh have a renewed energy now that the referendum's available but um I think Rex is going to obviously be the first thing that gets put through. So what, what do you think? Do you have anything yeah. besides those two? Yeah, I, I agree. So this was a question that was asked um, to Kevin on our most recent Cypherglass EOS AMA. If you haven't checked that out, go ahead and Kevin just Rose search Cypherglass EOS AMA on YouTube. Yeah, great guy. He came on. We had an awesome time. Really like genuinely had a lot of fun chatting mm -hmm. with him for about an hour-long EOS AMA. Um, but he talked about this, and it seems like the first referendum that will actually be up for vote is – with Rex. So, hey, Rex will be implemented. Do you want all of the EOSIO, you know, system fees and the name bidding fees and the RAM fees? Do you want those fees to be distributed to the token holders that that use Rex, that yes, vote through please. Rex? Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The question that, that he put was basically, do you want free money? Yes or no? <laughs> so it should be, you know, a really good first referendum to show people the power um, of this new tool on the mainnet. And then from there, we can vote on more important things, you know, beyond just, hey, do you want free money? Like, hey, do you think that arbitration should exist at the base layer like ECAF? Um, do you think that this new code proposal should be implemented to, you know, improve CPU performance? There are so many other things that we can then um, decentralize the governance process where instead of the block producers voting on implementations, now the entire community, if you own a token, whether it's one token or 100,000 tokens, you can vote on whether or not this stuff gets implemented. So it's going to be really awesome for the entire community to now have more participation and more input in the governance process. I am so excited. So I'm excited for referendum, but mostly because of its relationship yeah. to Rex. I mean, I love governance. I, I want to see all right. the people vote. But I have a feeling with referendum, like I think Rex is going to pass. All right, I, I don't think too many people doubt that. Yeah. But after that, I think it's going to be a lot harder to motivate the entire community to to do things unless it's going to really incentivize them to do so, which is free money, like you said. And I'm nervous that the voter turnout's not going to be what we expect it to be on the referendum. Um, are, are you familiar, off the top of your head, of of the rules to pass a referendum? It's like fifteen percent. Over what, like 30 days? So, I can't remember. Yeah, 15% of total tokens have to be, and that's 150 million EOS tokens basically out of the billion, have to be voted towards the proposal for a period of 30 days. But in addition to that, 10% of that 15%, so two-thirds of that 15%, um, have to be voted yes to approve it. So you could have up to 5% no's on it. Um, but if you have more, let's say, let's say you have 
you know, 20% of, of tokens cast, you're going to need more than 10% to be yes. So it really needs a two third majority of all the tokens voted towards that to say yes. And that's what's unique about referendum, right? So with the block producer system, when we're voting, you can only vote for the block producers you want elected. You can't vote against the ones that you don't want to get in. But with referendum, you can actually vote against proposals. So if there's something that you say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, I don't want that on the chain, you can vote against it and actually prevent something from happening that, that maybe you disagree with. So I want to get back to WPS because that used to be a, a topic yeah. I liked and then I kind of got away from it because I figured it was unrealistic and still kind of is. But the interesting thing is that the account that's accumulating fees from the 4% inflation, it's called eosio.savings. It, it, and savings is an interesting... Dot saving, saving, yeah. I'm sorry. It's an interesting term because it's kind of like the saving account, savings account of the entire EOS main net. So like, yeah. without a WPS, there's no built-in system to, to spend that money. But through a referendum, would you be allowed, like you as in us and the whole community, wouldn't we technically be able to put a referendum in that says we want to take, let's say, 50,000 EOS tokens from EOSIO.saving and then use that to fund this whatever this may be like is that possible through oh absolutely so we're basically getting i'd be happy with that then we'd have the same functionality similar the best part of of having a a worker proposal system built in natively is then it doesn't require block producers to to all get together and use um i forget the name of it but there's basically like a super user system account where if a certain number of block producers get together they can you know pull funds from something like the eosio.saving account so with the work proposal system, it would sort of make that process automatic and, and a lot easier and a lot more scalable. So I still hope we get some kind of worker proposal system, just at a lower inflation rate, maybe like half a percent or one percent. But yeah, I mean, it would, it would it's basically possible to do anything through referendum. You could say, hey, should we add this code update? Should we pull money from the saving account and, and give it to the users? I mean, you could do whatever you wanted with it, essentially. So we're not we're not being hamstrung by not actually having a WPS. I mean, it'd be easier with a WPS, it'd be more organized with a WPS, it'd be probably better with a WPS, but yeah. uh, before that could happen, let's say we wanna fund uh, a third party like security and auditing company to assist the block producer community. Like if that went to referendum and it was like a hundred thousand dollar annual budget paid out in EOS, so fifty fifty thousand or so EOS today, like the community could technically vote on that. But then once it's implemented, yeah. then yeah, there's like totally a follow through process. Like that would still need to be ironed out of okay, we funded this security company. Who is in charge? Like what are they responsible for? Like it's gonna be complicated, but there's at least hope. And I think that's all we could ask for now in the Rex. Rex is something we've been oh, and talking about for months. We've been talking about referendum for months. But um, why don't you explain Rex to everyone for anyone who's just joining us for the first time and maybe hasn't been following the EOSIO ecosystem as closely as we have? Yeah, so REC stands for resource exchange. So when you own an EOS token, you basically own one billionth of the CPU and the net, the, the bandwidth on the entire EOS network. And that's why the EOS token is so powerful because it's kind of like virtual real estate on this giant you know, world computer where you own the CPU and you own the net. Um, so what Rex enables you to do is if you're not using that CPU, if you're not sending a ton of transactions, you know, you don't use your CPU and net very much, you can actually contribute your CPU and net to this giant resource exchange pool. And then what happens from there um, is that you actually are paid some kind of EOS in profit from people who are then leasing part of that bandwidth out of the pool. So if you put in 100 EOS into that pool and that's one one thousandth of the EOS in there, you'll then get 
um, ostensibly one one thousandth of the fees that people are paying to lease that CPU and lease that bandwidth from that pool. Um, and in addition to that, with the referendum, like we were talking about that, you know, do you want free money vote? It looks like that Rex will also distribute the EOS RAM fees. So when you trade RAM on the network, if you're not familiar with that, it's, it's not super important. Um, but those RAM trading fees and then name bidding fees where people are bidding on very short, you know, premium account names, all of those fees could actually be distributed to the token holders that are using the Rex system. So that's where this gets really powerful and incentivizes, you know, people to vote for more block producers so that they can use Rex and sort of participate in that whole system. So ba basically what the Rex does, it's kind of like you're, it's like a bank account in a way, but you're offering a certain, your, your money's being put to work for you. Your EOS is being put to work. It's not just sitting in the savings account doing nothing. And it's, it's actively in this marketplace, leasing out your bandwidth to, to users in need of it since you're not using it. That's why you staked it to the Rex. And instead of getting yep. an annual interest in US dollars like, like we're used to, you're getting annual interest or, or an interest on a 30 day basis of a contract paid out in EOS. And we, we, don't, we don't know yep. what those percentages are, be, are going to be, but we could look at Shintai for an idea of what the, the value is of one EOS worth of computation, for instance. And yeah. Well, what's cool about Rex also is there are some preventative mechanisms where if you put in 100 EOS, when you cash that out, you're never going to get less than 100 EOS. So it's not like RAM where the value can fluctuate and affect the money that you get back out of it. You'll always get your 100 EOS back out, plus whatever kind of leasing you know, fee profit you get from that as well. And what I like about Rex is the way that token holders, staked token holders, can earn more money is by there being more transaction volume on the network. So everyone, everyone's yeah. going to be playing on the same team. We want to we want to skyrocket those transactions as much as everyone wants to complain about us uh, constantly running out of CPU. Like everyone knows about supply and demand. Well, guess what? Right now, demand oh, yeah. is way higher than supply. That's always a great problem to have in any marketplace. And we we don't want that obviously long term. Congestion is terrible. It makes the network very unusable. Right. But we're working through those problems, and once they're worked through, we want to constantly being we want to constantly have to fight on the supply side to be able to keep up with the demand side because that's a healthy marketplace right there, and that's what the Rex is going to do. The more transactions, the more money everyone makes. The cheaper the transactions, the more people that are going to want to do transactions. So we've got to make them cheap, fast, yeah, and we've got to increase that demand for them and keep going. And I think I think we're well on our way. Um, yeah, I'm super excited. We're so close to all these things. We're so close to referendum. I mean, that could be really in the next couple of weeks that could come out. And then Rex, boom, first proposal. Now suddenly that's implemented. So the code is out there. The code is ready. Um, the release candidate for Rex is out. I believe it's being tested on Jungle right now on the Jungle yeah, testnet. Um, so it's all happening. Shintai, they actually put out a tweet the other day. They said, yeah. Rex incoming. Shintai will offer all of the normal markets plus the Rex with all of the info you need to get the best rate possible. And they, in their tweet, they said, check out the sneak peek of the Rex and the Shintai UI. And you can actually access huh. the UI of Shintai with the Rex implemented by visiting jungle.shintai.io. So I, I encourage everyone to check that out because these rates are just on a test net, so they're not accurate. But it shows you what it's going to look like. They're going to have right. to compete with each other. And I, I talked huh. to some of the guys from Shintai because I, I was my questions were mostly like, how does the Rex and Shintai compete? And they don't necessarily have to compete. Shintai, or Rex is just like a system level contract and Shintai is kind of working on top of it and doing different things. One big difference is the Rex requires a minimum of a 30-day commitment to stake your EOS to earn dividends on it. Uh, 
whereas the Rex has uh, 7, 14, 21, and 28-day contracts. So if you don't want to commit yep. to a 30-day uh, staking period to put into the Rex, you could also do a shorter-term lease with Shintai. Um, the other yeah. thing I was told was that Shintai is going to be cross-chain. So you'll be able to have competing marketplaces. You could have the CPU of one chain competing with another chain to get a fair market value out of that. And it's huh, that's also going to be all resources. I don't know how they're going to do it. Uh, it seems like they're working on it, but they're going to have a all resources exchangeable on the Shintai exchange, including RAM, hmm. which really... Oh, wow. So you could actually lease RAM yes, from someone. And I, I don't know how it's going to be done. We'll have, wow. to have a special episode just for that. Maybe we'll bring some of the Shintai guys on. Maybe I could interview them on a, yeah. on a different type of episode now that we'll be able to do different types of content than just uh, me and you talking about the news. Yeah, 100%. But uh, Shintai, they've, they've been busy lately. Uh, so they have been making their proxy choices. So earlier in December, you want to explain like the whole proxy situation with them and like how that came to fruition? Yeah, so basically when, and this is sort of the whole like business model behind Shintai and the reason why they're able to charge no fees. Um, there was a video I put out on Shintai on the Cypherglass channel where uh, I guess my language choice was not the best, where I was trying to indicate that you could earn a small fee by using it, not that it would charge you a fee. So the platform is fee-less, and part of the reason why they're able to do that is they have block producer sponsors. So when you deposit, say I, I lease 100 EOS into Chintai, that 100 EOS is now in the Chintai proxy and they vote for all these different block producers. So in addition for in addition to voting for the, I think, 11 sponsors that actually sponsor and sort of financially keep Chintai up and running, um, they're also making selections to actually vote for a total of 30 block producers, which I think is great. And so far, um, and I had a little conversation with Kevin Rose about this, just saying like, whether Cypherglass is chosen or not, I think it's incredible. And even though I think we, we do deserve to be chosen based on what we've contributed, um, but whether whether or not we are chosen, I think the block producers they're picking are incredible. And it's good to see really high quality BPs being chosen with this huge proxy that are getting a lot of votes so that they can continue to reinvest into the network instead of that money going to people that aren't making any reinvestment It's at a all. great example of what a decentralized autonomous organization or company will look like in the future. So nobody, there, there's yeah, no absolutely. fee taking middleman taking your money to use Shintai. The token holders are reaping a profit, but the token holders are separate. Or not the token holders, the token stakers, I should say. They're separate. Yeah. Those payments, you're getting paid just the same as the block producers. The block producers are the one, the ones being voted on by this proxy are the ones who either put the most sweat equity into building Shintai, or they're chosen because yeah. of other. Uh, things that they've done for the community because I'm, I'm I don't think all 30 of the teams they're going to select are all part of the core team that built it right no they weren't I think it was it was either eight or 11 that were part of the core team um, that either helped build it or who, helped who sponsor it, it and then the out. other I, I'm not familiar with all the teams off the top of my head I know you probably don't know um, all of them. I'm not sure I know I know EOS New York is one of the sponsors um, I think EOS 42 is one uh, I'm not sure who the, well, the others are to be honest I it, I would know it if I looked it up I'm going to look it up Okay. Right, so I just want to give a shout out to all of the uh, Chintai project sponsors. This is the core team that built Chintai. Uh, EOS 42, EOS New York, EOS Detroit, EOS Canon, EOS Dublin, EOS Nation, EOS DAC, Oracle Chain, EOS Sphere, EOS Tribe, EOS Sys. So shout out to all those guys for making this possible. But anyway, that, that okay. proxy, man, it's a powerhouse. You said it was number yeah. one ranked proxy. And then now, as of the time of this airing, or not airing, recording, 
It's the second largest proxy out of all of the U.S. mainnet with 15 million votes being proxied to it. And it's yeah. about a one and a half million dollar spread or million EOS spread between it and the first place proxy. So that's that's incredible. That that moved a lot. That shook up the rankings. I noticed the rankings look a lot more familiar to me from what they looked like earlier in the mainnet launch than what they have for a while. Uh, EOS Canada is back oh, up in the, the top 21, actually the top 10 as of uh, this, this recording. A lot of really solid teams. I, I was happy to see some of the teams I didn't like so much drop in the rankings. Uh, but this is a very powerful tool. It's a very great way to keep good block producers continuing to be honest. And it's a good way to disincentivize the people not being as honest. So shout out to Shintai. Shout out to Shintai Proxy. Uh, they put out a blog post. So their proxy is not just voting for people. I, I, I forgot to mention this. One of my favorite parts about how they're voting is that every single vote is being explained by a paragraph of text. Like, what did this block producer do to deserve uh, this vote? And I guess while I'm on the topic, you mentioned it earlier. So why don't, why don't you read off the facts of everything block producers done for the community? I'm going to give you a chance to kind of... Uh, to, yeah. To, I think you guys are doing a lot of stuff, but we just want to remind everyone, I guess, in case they're watching at home. Definitely. Yeah, I, I do think we deserve a spot there because I think we've added a ton of value to the EOS ecosystem. Um, if you look at things like our, our most popular things, let's say um, our $50,000 ledger bounty that was filled and now our $50,000 Trezor bounty to have EOS support on Trezor as well. We just got a submission for that from the same person, actually, from Crypto Ferry. Uh, so it looks like Trezor support for EOS will be out very soon, uh, thanks to the initiatives we're doing. Um, but in addition to that, obviously, we've made close to 100 videos now this year. Uh, on EOS, and that, that number is going to continue to increase. Now that we're doing at least one per day, uh, in 2019, we should have close to 400 videos that are just educating the EOS community um, on new updates. Hey, here's here's what Rex is. Here's here's you know what referendum is. Here's how Chintai works. Um, and in addition to that, in 2019, we're going to be expanding that into more formalized educational series. So you can imagine a, a whole tutorial series that shows you how to use Shintai or a whole, whole tutorial series that shows you how to use, you know, Nudex at a centralized exchange or, hey, here's how to use Everpedia and edit a page and, you know, make an account and do all these different things that are so necessary. Um, but in addition to that, we built other open source tools that a lot of people used in the early days of the mainnet, um, like Windshield, which helped block producers monitor their infrastructure. Uh, we came out with Glass, which was a transparency tool to kind of show everybody where everybody's servers were and, and you know, help them with the geographical distribution of their votes if that's the way that they want to vote. Um, so I think we've done a lot. I think we've added a ton of value. Obviously, we're here producing the Everything EOS podcast. Uh, we would not still be able to do this if it wasn't for Cypherglass sponsoring this podcast yes. now. Now that <laughs> no, we're hosted on our own channel. <laughs> yeah, Cypherglass is making all of this possible. They're paying for all of the expenses of this, the new equipment, the you know the salary, everything is thanks to Cypherglass that we can keep this Everything EOS podcast going and continue to educate the community. So I think we're adding a ton of value. And we're also working on some other projects in addition to that more formal sort of educational series. We have a couple other very exciting EOS-related services, I will say, um, coming in 2019 as well. One of them in early 2019 should be in January. So we're out here, we're adding value, uh, and uh, I think we deserve that that proxy vote so that we can continue to reinvest even more of our block rewards back into the mainnet, back into the EOS community. Hallelujah. Uh, like, like Rob, I just want to give a <laughs> shout out to not only Cypherglass, but Rob personally, because Cypherglass is a, a couple of you, you have a couple partners, right? How many? Three, four, five? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we're a total of uh, seven, I believe. Part, if you include our, our two advisors who just, you know, help us with and a couple I'm, of different I'm, things. I don't talk to your partners like I talk to you, but I'm sure they know the podcast. They know the value it brings. But it, we wouldn't have continued it without you. So I do appreciate that from you and Cypherglass. Um, 
everyone watching, like Rob is the man, like nicest guy I've ever met. Thanks, I appreciate um, that. He, he knows the he knows well, if, what we do for the community by doing this. We try to educate as much as we can and turn other people into evangelists like ourselves. Yeah, well, and it, it was cool at the San Francisco Hackathon to really understand and really quantify the reach that we have and the impact that we're making at Everything EOS on the community. People came up to us with and, and basically said, hey, I got funding from EOS VC, and the only reason I applied is because I watched your podcast, and now I have funding. It's not announced yet, um, but but I have that. Or, hey, I got a job at Block One because I watched your podcast, found out about EOS, got interested, and then applied for a job at Block One, and they're in. So the, when I heard that and all these other people coming up and saying, oh, thanks so much. you know, I got my friend into EOS because of your podcast, yeah. that just blew my mind. It was so satisfying to hear that. We really are making a real impact on the space, educating people, getting people new jobs, um, bringing more projects into the EOS ecosystem. So there's a ton that we're doing, you know, our, our free weekly consulting calls that I do to bring projects from Ethereum to EOS. That's more of a, a long-term thing. Well, you're, you'll start to see results of that very soon in 2019 as well. So we're doing a ton of stuff. We're going to keep doing it. Um, we have a long-term commitment to the EOS mainnet. So we'll keep as it going. A, as a quick plug to ourselves, I think we are the best EOS resource for people that are already into crypto. Like if you have a friend that's into some other crypto and you want them to kind of uh, sift through all the FUD and kind of see the real value of ESIO, you need to have them watch this podcast. I've been told by all of those stories you told, I don't I don't know if you, you're telling your own personal stories or my personal stories, but I have the exact same stories as Rob had. People who said that yeah. they, they picked up more interest in EOSIO and over a couple of months, they applied to Block One. They work at Block One now. Uh, come Like that, yeah. that one guy in <laughs> so San crazy. Fran, like he got, he is unannounced ESVC funding right now. And it yeah. was because of us. Like that's an incredible impact. And like what we're trying to do is bring in the broader, not only just the broader crypto community, but with, with the, the future uh, direction of our content, we're going to bring people from outside of the crypto community as a whole. These are going to be like your moms and grandmas we want to reel. We want to produce content that 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 is geared towards them. Um, an application. 100%. And one cool thing we saw recently that's going to help get your grandma, mom, aunt, uncle, brother, sister into the EOS IO ecosystem is sendeos.io. Yeah. So you wanna, yeah this is so cool. You explain this. This is so cool. I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. When I found out about this, I was like, oh my God, this makes so much sense. If you've ever read Peter Thiel's book, Zero to One, he talks about how they linked uh, email addresses with money in the early days of PayPal. And that was really instrumental in them reaching mass adoption and reaching millions of people who then, you know, even if you don't have a PayPal account, I can enter in your email and then you can claim that money through your email. So Sendios is doing something very, very similar where if I want to send a friend or a family member, you know, Christmas is coming up for a lot of people. If I want to give somebody a Christmas gift of EOS, how do you do it right now? You know, am I going to put it on a ledger? Am I going to say, hey, you need to set up this wallet so I can send it to you? It's all very convoluted and, and, and full of friction. But with Sendios, I can just enter in that person's email, say, hey, I want to send you 50 EOS for Christmas. Boom, I enter in their email, and then they'll get a link to claim that money, set up an account, and go through that whole process. And then in doing so, you've brought another person into the EOS ecosystem. So what they're doing could be massive for mass adoption and making it easy to send EOS to people who don't already have EOS accounts. Yeah, so I just want to give a shout-out to the EO, Everything EOS Telegram channel. I'll plug that again. You could join it. Right now, you could still get to it directly by everythingeos.io. Uh, but eventually, you'll have to go to t.me front slash everything underscore EOS because we'll have other stuff on the web domain. But this whole thing came up because Elam Her, I, I think he used to be with EOS Nation. I don't know if he still is. got taken off his handle. But he mentioned uh, sendeos.io the other day. 
And Rob, you jumped right at it because you were, you, I think you had that Peter Thiel connection in your head, but you're disappointed because at yeah. the time you, you were like, oh, there's a 10 EOS send limit on this. This is, this is terrible. I want to send more yeah. EOS. That's only 20 bucks. Right, exactly. Yeah, if I want to send a thousand EOS to somebody for you know a wedding gift or something, it's a big event. I should be able to do that through the service. So uh, if I understand it correctly, they raised the limit. Yeah. Right? So coincidentally, Amy Wan, who, who's from Sagewise, who's like a dispute resolution yeah. company building on EOS or, or working on EOS. I don't know if they're building anything. She just randomly popped into our Telegram the next day, and I was like, Amy, we were just talking about you guys. Yeah. Like, what's up with this limit? And then she came in and she's she said it's because they're testing it. They don't want to get exploited. They don't want money to get lost or stolen or anything like that. And they just increased the limit to 100 EOS. And they'll nice. probably keep increasing it as like the security uh, is more battle tested and things like that. So 100 EOS is a good number. I don't I don't give many people more than a like $200 Christmas gifts a lot. So oh, that's yeah, that's so, pretty but, substantial. But 10 was too low. So with, with Sendios, what you could do is, and they have a contest actually. I don't think they put the blog post out yet. It's coming out at noon, and maybe it did come out today. But I got the notes from it. Amy gave them to me directly. It says they're doing a Sendios nice. holiday giveaway. Uh, if people use Sendios, they'll automatically be entered into a contest to win a thousand EOS and a thousand. And oh wow, and that okay, winner is going crazy. to be announced on January first. Nice. So, okay. I, have you used the Sendios yet? Because I I might use. I'm I'm going to use it for the first time, probably to to do a screen share for this this podcast we're recording right now. But have, have you personally uh, okay. used it? No, yet? I, I haven't. I haven't used it yet, but I will be using it on Christmas. Um, I think my plan is to send at least a couple of years to all my cousins. So the part of the reason I, I relocated um, recently was, you know, I was in Pittsburgh with ICO Alert. Uh, it, since I exited earlier this year, I really had no reason to continue to be there. So I'm back in my hometown. I have like 60 plus family members who live here. So I think I might give everybody, you know, five years or something for Christmas. It's like, hey, here you go. Um, since we usually just do very, very small gifts since there are so many people. Um, so I think I'll probably be using it a lot and maybe I'll, maybe I'll win that thousand EOS and then we can use it for a contest yeah. or something. So Who knows? what this allows is, okay, you could send a small amount of EOS. Let's say it is still only 10 EOS, which is like 20 bucks. You give it to all your little cousins. Now all yeah. of your cousins, ha- they should have an EOS, uh, wallet, whether they have the wallet yeah. installed or not, or whether they're actively using it, that, that might not happen right away but you know they have a wallet so you know if you send them something that they have a way of accessing it if they want to take the time and like you mentioned with peter Thiel, the way they did it was you could invite it was like a referral program you could i could invite rob to join paypal and basically rob would get an email saying hey you have ten dollars in your in your paypal account click here to claim it and when you click here that's whenever it walked you through the step-by-step instructions of how to sign up for your paypal account and that's exactly how sendios is going to work hey you have money waiting for you. Here's how you can get it. Uh, and I don't know any better motivator than saying, here's free money, come get it. Oh, 100%. Especially when then the only way to claim it is to, to make that EOS account and sort of go through that process. So it gives people that incentive to really get in the ecosystem and also, I think, pays for their EOS account in some way. So And I, I just neat. want to state how this works. It, there is a one EOS fee. That's how this company is funded. This com- uh, it's, I wouldn't even call uh, okay. it a company. Sendios is more of a project. So they won the EOS Ignite Hackathon. They were the first place team there. But the project, I'm pretty sure, was born out of the San Francisco Hackathon. So so they came up with the the concept of it, probably wrote some of the initial smart contract code. And now here it is, working code, ready for everyone to use. I'll be using it tonight or tomorrow to record me sending it. And 
my, my brother and mom are finally, my dad are all finally going to have US accounts. So, so nice, let, let's say awesome. everything goes completely sour and let's say EOS yeah. goes to 10 cents in the next year and everyone's like, why did you give me this EOS? I don't, next, let's take next Christmas. So then next right. Christmas, you'd say, okay, I'm not going to give you EOS. I'm going to give you stable coins. So that kind of, that, that gets yeah. us into our next topic, which is EOS link links, uh, partners with a new stable coin. Did you see the, the announcement on their blog? Yeah, so it's called Carbon or CUSD, which is pretty interesting. We have USDC from Coinbase and Circle, and then we have little, little CUSD, which is Carbon. I think, yeah, I think just calling it Carbon probably makes it much easier. Um, but yeah, a new stablecoin on EOS that apparently using EOS links, you can redeem directly for fiat right in the app. So if you wanted to, one of the biggest complaints about most stablecoins, particularly Tether, is there's no real way to cash it back into dollars unless you're some massive institution that has 100 million Tether sitting around. Um, so there's no way for the average Joe to get out of it. But with Carbon now in the EOS links wallet, you'll actually be able to cash into dollars anytime you want. And that, that'll require, I'm, I think to, <laughs> to, I'm sorry. To, to fund your account, from reading the blog post, so, so to fund uh, these stable USDs in your EOS Links wallet, or any EOS wallet most likely, you would have to send a bank wire right now. So there's still a little bit of friction there. So if I wanted to put a thousand dollars, if I wanted a thousand dollars of these carbon USDs, I would have to send a bank wire to uh, carbon, I guess. And then those $1,000 would get credited in carbon tokens, $1,000 of carbon tokens huh. in my EOS links wallet. But then if I would transfer them to you, Rob, then you don't need the KYC, but you still have $1,000 worth of carbon tokens. And then you could use right. that $1,000 I gave you to give $50 gifts to all your cousins next Christmas. And no one ever had the KYC. So... Okay, but can I can I cash back out into to, dollars? To cash back out into dollars is where you do the KYC. So... Let's say, so oh, okay. I see. let's that say next sense. Christmas, um, no one wants EOS anymore. Something happened. Yes, whatever. Constant <laughs> um, or Let's not put that energy out there. Everybody wants energy, it next everybody. Christmas. Um, so let's yeah. say you want to change it a little bit. You want to say, here, it doesn't always have to be EOS. Now it's your birthday. Let me give you 20 actual dollar, well, carbon dollars, which is always going to be pegged to $1 equals one carbon. That you never had the KYC because I gave them to you. Once once these uh, stable coins are in circulation, unless they exit the system, no one needs to KYC or send a bank wire or anything. But yeah. all dollars and fiat, all it is is a transfer of value. If I gave Rob a thousand carbon USD, it'd be because he gave me something likely worth a thousand dollars of value. We just transmitted value. Right. Rob could have sold me his favorite cat for it, which he never would, for a thousand dollars. I gave him a thousand dollars. Yeah, not for sale. Like, that that's what a medium of exchange is. That those USD don't have to leave the system unless maybe Rob needs to pay a bill or his cousin that he gives the fifty dollars right. to needs to pay a bill. And at that point, if they want to withdraw those US dollars without having like a Coinbase account or anything, they could use Carbon and do the KYC and withdraw right from their ES Links wallet. Uh, okay. So basically... That makes... I think a You have $50... Your little cousin, say it's a 10-year-old cousin. I don't know who your cousin is. You got a 10-year-old yeah. cousin... Yeah, they range. $50 of Carbon USD in your ES Links wallet. And they really need that $50. What more incentive is there to force them to go through the process of a KYC to get the banking integration? And then every right, time yeah. moving forward, if they want to put money into EOS... Uh, or carbon USD, they could do that deposit and withdraw. So they're already in the system. It, it's helping with mass adoption. I, I still think there's a little bit of friction here, but like we're seeing incremental yeah. steps. Like this isn't going to happen overnight. 
like mass adoption. It's going to be a, a decade long process or longer. But I think in 2019 or 2020, yeah, 2019, I keep forgetting years, it's still 2018. In 2019, <laughs> we're going to see massive strides forward in mass adoption. We're going to see, uh, like we talked about ITAM the other week, you're going to be able to create a gaming yeah. account where you can transfer assets without ever touching a private key because they're going to do it on your behalf. And if you want ownership of those assets, you just either pay a fee or swap, do some action in the game that, that has a value, and then you get your private key swapped to, to a private key that only you own and control. And it sounds like mythical yeah, games with uh, Blankos coming out early Q1, Q2. I'm not sure. Do you know the time frame on Blankos? Uh, all they have said is 2019. So I, I, so it's interesting with mythical games. They're just a company that basically helps other game developers integrate and you know basically have blockchain-based games with you know user-created economies and things like that, or player-owned economies, I should say. Um, so Blankos is a, is a game from another company that Mythical Games partnered with. So they could release that in early 2019 or late 2019. It doesn't really matter. But my point is they could also have other games coming out in 2019 as well, which uh, should be pretty exciting and to see. Everyone knows the key to mass adoption. The key to mass adoption is that you don't know you're using a DAP. Like I, I said this last yep. week, DAP, DAP is an acceptable term for right now. But in five years, if we're still using the, the term DAP, then we're doing everything wrong. Because when you, when yeah. I, don't, I don't know like what backend infrastructure Facebook uses, but I just say I'm going to Facebook. I don't say I'm going I'm going to right. use this service that's using this gnarly backend that they custom built. Right. Like, well, I've gone I've gone back and forth on this where it's like, oh, we should just call them EOS apps. But then I was thinking, well, how from a consumer perspective do you basically let somebody know, oh, this is a platform that has like a token incentive built in, and I think DAP will probably become that. Where when people hear DAP, they won't think decentralized DAP. They'll just think, oh, wow, that's a DAP where I can Earn make value. money or where I can really own the things. It's like a, yeah, it's a new and improved version like of an that. app. So I think that 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 term still has value. But I think like a lot of other terms where, you know, the, the meaning ascribed to it isn't actually the meaning of the word. I think it'll be um, very, very similar where we see a lot of people using the term DAP is like, oh, that's the next. I, I want the DAP version of Facebook. I don't want the app version because the DAP version is going to reward me and let me control my data and all the good things that, you know, a blockchain adds. Yeah, I, I I don't think any we might use a, a, a like a lesser tool or application just because we know it's decentralized, we know it's built on EOS. But the general public's not gonna make that big switch or jump unless it's something better than what they're previously using. So I think we just all need to be realistic with that. Uh, on to the next topic. Dan has been on fire again in Telegram. I love I love this. Yeah. He, he was quiet for a few months, I feel like. But ever since the Lund the blockchain oh, he was building. in London. He's been on fire, uh, and sometimes it causes yeah. fud, but sometimes it causes happiness. And this one was uh, an example of causing the happiness. So, we've we've talked yeah. about this time and time again on the show. Is with all of these forks and sister chains and side chains and this chain and that chain launching, how is the value going to accrue on the main net? And there's still a lot of unanswered questions. But one of the bigger questions was, we're running into these CPU congestion issues, which they're getting fixed progressively, but they're not going to be like in perfect form for a while. Like, because we're going to constantly be scaling. We're going to scale up, then we're going to hit our capacity again, then we're going to need to scale up again. And knowing the type of applications that Block One is building internally, and we've talked about them all many of times, these, some of them, if they built a Facebook 2.0 or a Steam 2.0 or whatever they want to call it, it's going to need to do 
way, way more transactions than we're probably uh, able to do oh, right yeah. now. So they might need to deploy their own separate chain. And Dan has mentioned he thinks all private chains, public chains, they should all be on EOSIO. And with the Block One wallet, uh, the Block One wallet will allow yeah. cross-chain transactions between private and public chains. But let's say they did make this Steemit 2.0 and it had its own native token and it needed millions of transactions per day that couldn't be handled on the main net. So how does it give value back to the main net? And he uh, finally confirmed in Telegram, uh, Tanish, Tanish uh, from EOS Metal asked him, uh, Dan, could Block One deploy dApps on different EOS IO chains or just on the main net? And Dan responded straight up, if we deploy on separate chains, it'll be airdrop, which means yeah. that, that's how the value gets accrued to the most widely distributed Ooh. token ever made. It's the over- oh yeah, well, and it's in it's in everyone's best interest to airdrop to the mainnet, including Block One, because that's how you get a community. You're going to airdrop to 300 some odd thousand, I think it is now, wallets on the mainnet, and boom, there's your potential first 300,000 users that are going to actually come over and use this thing or be your your token holders for the long run and buy more of these things and and all kinds of stuff. So it just makes sense for them to airdrop, um, and it's exciting to finally get that confirmation that they will, because. If you think about the value of the airdrop so far, it's been pretty significant for a lot of them. Even, you know, Everpedia at a point at $0.05, cents, um, EOS Black at $0.25, cents, which was pretty wild, and that was a one-to-one airdrop. So some people made, a, you know, a ton of money on EOS Black depending on when they sold it. Um, but imagine the value of a B1 airdrop. Like when Block 1 says, hey, this is our new social media network, we're doing an airdrop – what yeah. like imagine the value that that token could potentially have especially if that thing becomes the next facebook and they gave it to all the eos token holders for free so i'm so excited about that and the potential that exists there oh, i i can't wait i i think q1 yeah. like we keep pointing to q1 I, I i give them those first four months of the year or three months of the year i think we're going to see big things between january and march and then continuously yep. throughout but i think we're finally going to get some at least one of the big ticket items we've been waiting for hopefully it's the probably the wallet first and then we're getting the we're also yeah. getting the wrecks so like, like let's not write off the wrecks as if uh every uh, every one of us built it it was mostly block one doing the heavy lifting so uh, that's their first oh, yeah. feature complete product that we've all been like chomping at the bit for and we're going to get it sooner rather than later followed most likely by the wallet um <laughs> Man, you, you, some bugs me, sorry. of yours, man. You never used to sneeze like this whenever we did at the office. It's the, I think it's the spray paint. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just uh, want to a... run through some other Danisms. Uh, they're not really related to uh, the airdrops we just talked about, but he also, they're talking about some of the CPU improvements with some of the recent uh, Block 1 updates to the mainnet. And someone came in and complained about why is it only a 30% improvement? And then Dan jumps and he said, when was the last time Ethereum increased anything by 50%? Yeah, it's true. true. I mean, that's one of the crazy parts of Ethereum that always sort of struck me as odd was you deploy something like a smart contract, for example, and that's kind of how it is forever. If there's a bug and someone's draining funds from it, there's no way to go in and update it and change it or pause it or do anything, which is where EOS comes in and says, hey, you can update your smart contract you know, you can pause it if somebody is is exploiting it, which we'll talk about in a little bit, how that saved people hundreds of thousands of EOS over the, this last week when an exploit was discovered. Um, but yeah, it, it's pretty amazing that these features are there. And to his point, since the beginning of, of the EOS mainnet, we've done a 600% improvement Ooh, in CPU. Hallelujah. 600%, six hallelujah. times. We did a 6x in CPU. So your one EOS token at the beginning now basically does six EOS tokens worth of CPU that it did at, at, at the early days of the mainnet. So the... 
everything is coming. All these solutions are coming. And now this is another one that on top of that 600% will do another 30 to 50% improvement compounded. So it's pretty crazy to see. And to finish off Danisms for this week's show, it also goes yeah. back to people talking about the CPU improvements. Someone asked them, I think, what car you drove. I don't know. They're, I can't see the GIF. It's like a thumbnail. But Dan says, when this chain gets to 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. <laughs> Using the emoji for shit, I think. <laughs> but, uh, or it's right, a little yeah. face, but it sounds better. I, I just yeah, added that, that word. Dan didn't say shit, but it sounded better that way. Right. And that's the truth, man. Once we hit like a certain level of skill, like right now, we're constantly got our backs against the wall. As soon as we solve scalability, then transactions drive up and we hit our, our limits again. And going back to oh, earlier yeah. with the Rex, that's a great supply and demand. You always want demand higher than the supply side. I, I I welcome that, and I'm sure you, as a block producer, welcome the fact that if 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 we get to the point where the mainnet is so in demand that the block producers are constantly having to upgrade their infrastructure to handle more transactions, that's a beautiful uh, that's a problem thing. to have. Oh yeah, well, and it it shows you the real demand for these kinds of platforms. You know, crypto's been around for for I guess you could call it like ten-ish or so years since the Bitcoin white paper was introduced, and then Ethereum for I think what three plus years now, and that's really the first smart contracting platform. So for three years, all this demand has been building up. Hey, I want to build a DAP. Hey, I want to use a DAP. Hey, I want to invest in a DAP. All this demand has been there, and that I think is why the ICO craze was so huge, and we mm -hmm. saw all these massive investments, but the tech wasn't there to support it. And now that the tech is finally there to support it, that demand for these dApps finally has a place to go, and it's going on to EOS. So as we bump up the limit, even if it's a 50% improvement or a 600% improvement from the beginning, that demand instantly gets filled because there's so much demand, which is a great thing. Because if we were building this platform and did a 600% increase to CPU, and then we were fine, I would be a little worried, like, oh, maybe people mm -hmm. don't really want dApps. Maybe there really isn't demand for this. But the fact that the demand is always there is a very, very good sign, not just for, you know, Rex and the block producers, but for the, the ecosystem overall as a whole. And with all these, uh, I, I think it's good because you're, you're constant. There's, there's all these uh, forks launching now, too. So the main yeah. net, like there, there's been a lot of things that have been talked about for months. Like Rex and Referendum are just two of them. There's, there's countless issues that need to be ironed out with governance and ECAF, all kinds of stuff. And it's just been taking so long. But now that we're seeing Talos launch, Warbly launch, Ono launched, uh, we'll get into Privius. Well, Privius isn't a competitor. It's, it's a different thing, Cork on top of it. But there's all these right. like, forks launching. And Talos being one of the most feature-rich ones of them all, because it was so heavily supported by by some of the uh, like block producer core dev teams, uh, if the EOS main net can't keep up, then it's going to get left behind, and that's going to push people into action. A, a lot of these uh, block producers who maybe like the Asian ones who we kind of look at and don't think they're doing anything. I, I think they're doing stuff. They're just doing it to cater to their own markets. But oh yeah, and I mean. There's a massive language barrier there, which is really the reason why I'm learning Mandarin, because all of these people, you know, including Stardios, which has been under fire, and, and I disagree with them running two BPs, but they've added a lot of value to the ecosystem. Um, some of these other BPs, Meet One, have added a ton of value, so they're adding value, but a lot of that sort of perceived value never hits us because these you know apps that they're releasing their wallet apps are all in chinese and the press releases they're putting out are all in chinese so we just don't see any of it but they are adding a, a significant amount of value at least a good portion of them are. but with, with the forks and the competition it's kind of like ipfs like storage is something that I, from the original white paper i've always wanted to see storage on eosio i thought it would be here like yeah. this year 
but Taylor's has it already at launch. But the good thing about ESIO is it's like such a healthy ecosystem. So you could have hundreds of chains with all of their own core dev teams building these cool features. And if we look at that other chain, we say, that's a cool feature. Everyone seems to like it on their chain. Throw it up on referendum. What do our token holders think? Oh, yeah, we, 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 Absolutely. we, we love this Rex. We love Shintai. We love, we love leasing out our, our resources. I would love to have another scarce resource in storage that I can make more money on by leasing it because I don't actually need the centralized storage myself. Yeah, like absolutely. All of this, it's all uh, it's all building into uh, the scarce resources and monetizing them as a as a token holder. It's it's aligning everyone's incentives. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that's where everybody kind of adds adds value to everybody else, especially once these things are connected at side chains. You know, you look at somebody like Warbly, um, who is actually building a significant portion of the IBC, the, the inner blockchain communication code, which will make side chains possible. So that's another great example. You know, Telos has the storage that they're contributing. Warbly has the IBC that they're contributing. And I'm sure they won't be the last that come out when maybe starting as a fork that then turn into a side chain on the mainnet and also contribute significant features and significant code to the mainnet to make you know the whole ecosystem better because as they've all clarified many times they're still supporters of the mainnet in a lot of ways i don't want to put words in their mouth um but they want to see this whole ecosystem grow as well not just their one you know separate i chain. think each each fork chain sister chain everyone would call them it the success of the fork chains brings up all ships i think i think everyone brings everyone else everyone's yeah. elevating each other like wax as a good example i don't own any wax but I know that they are under the EOSIO umbrella, so I'm I'm still happy to see them succeed because if they succeed, then everyone succeeds because any feature that they have, we could we could pull it, or eventually we're gonna have IBC and you're not even gonna know what the difference is between a main net and a side net and a sister chain. Whatever. Yeah. But uh, as far as the IBC talk, I'm gonna plug the Telegram channel once again because we're all having a conversation about IBC and when it's gonna happen, and I think. I don't, I don't have it in front of me, but I think Kevin from New York, I, I think he said that it might take longer than everyone thinks. And then all of a sudden, the CEO well, of Warbly jumps in. So he's reading, Dominic, yeah. Thomas, he's reading our channel. He's like, actually, we think we'll have it ready by March. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's why it's great to be in the Everything EOS channel. You can join today at everythingeos.io. Uh, you wanted to say something about the community too, Rob. So we had an, a cool conversation in there with the... Uh, the, what, what do we call Satoshis on EOS? You want to get into that? Right. So the if you're not familiar, you know, in Bitcoin, the smallest unit, so one Bitcoin can be broken up into 100 million pieces. And the smallest pieces, you know, you go eight decimal points out, 0.0000001 Bitcoin is called a Satoshi, you know, as a an ode to Satoshi Nakamoto, the anonymous creator or creators um, that published the Bitcoin white paper and basically created Bitcoin. So we were all talking about you know, what should the smallest unit of EOS be? 0.0001, since there are four decimal points in EOS. 0.001 EOS, what should it be called? And there was sort of this argument between, should it be called a Dan or should it be called a Larimer? And then maybe we could make, you know, a bigger unit like 0.001 EOS could be a, a Bloomer for Brendan Bloomer. We could have a, a Pierce in there for Brock Pierce if we want to include him and in his contributions. So it was just a fun discussion. And we have a lot of those in the Telegram. So please jump in there. Like all said, everythingeos.io will take you over directly to the Telegram link. Um, and you can join the conversation and, and maybe your name will be up here on the screen next maybe time as well. Leave a comment on this video. Let us know what you think we should call the smallest yeah. fraction of a decimal of an EOS token. Should it be a Dan, should well, it be a Larimer, is, or should it be something else? 
Absolutely. This is a huge part of the this this new, this expanded everything EOS. What we really want to do is incorporate you, the community member, more. So EOS is nothing without the community. The, we could have this chain that's highly scalable, but if nobody's building on it and then nobody's using the dApps that people are building, the chain is totally worthless. So when we say everything EOS, you are included in that as well. You are a significant, significant part of that everything EOS. So we're going to be including way more comments from the show, way more discussions from our Telegram, um, way more feedback really into these episodes, into the other content we're producing. So if you want to be a part of everything EOS, that's the place to do it. Love it. Uh, let's let's go through. Oh, so we've had all good news up until this point. Let's get to the uh, one one piece of bad news we have. So that uh, bet, bet yeah. dice hack. So we, we, we complain about CPU. It's constantly congested. One day out of the blue, it's just all of the CPU problems went away and everyone's like, wow, CPU is great today. What, what's going, What's the news? What's going on? As if <laughs> there was happened? like a system upgrade. <laughs> but it was really, right, exactly. uh, uh, Bet Dice went offline for a little bit. You want to kind of uh, explain what happened there? Yeah, so this is what I mentioned earlier. The power of EOS is that you can pause a smart contract. So the team over at Dice um, just recently rebranded from Bet Dice to Dice to match the token name. Um, so the team at Dice, and full disclosure, I do hold Dice tokens, um, they paused their smart contract when they realized someone was exploiting their system uh, because that allowed them to to limit their losses. So they still lost about 200,000 EOS, mainly because their bankroll is so large. I think they had a million EOS in their bankroll. So the max bet gets pretty big and they were able to drain a lot of funds out before they noticed it. Um, some other platforms like EOS Max and 2Bet, I think each lost about 50,000 EOS each, um, but still relative to their large bankrolls didn't make a huge impact. But here's basically what happened. So a lot of people thought, oh, it must be a contract error, like the, the actual DICE contract had, had a bug in it and somebody exploited that. But that wasn't what happened at all. This was a system-level exploit that potentially affected every contract that existed on EOS, particularly the gambling contracts. And the way it worked is that when I send, send a transaction on EOS, that transaction first goes to an API node. And an API node is something like you know api.cypherglass.com or eos.graymass.com. Um, which basically allows you to connect to the EOS network. So after I send that transaction to the API node, there's a short delay before that transaction then hits the block producer node and is included in a block on the actual EOS network, and boom, there your transaction is. Now, what this person was doing was they had a smart contract set up on their own account that monitored all of the bets that they were placing. So they would basically place a bet, and if they won, their smart contract would allow their node to pass it from the API node to the actual block producer node and that winning bet would go through. But if they placed a bet and they lost, they had something in their contract that would basically pull that transaction back from the API node before it had a chance to sync with the block producer node and they could effectively undo any of their losing transactions if they did it quick enough. And because he was doing it all auto automatically with this script, with this contract on his account, he could do it for all of his losing transactions. So basically over a period of time, over these few hours, the DICE team realized, wait a minute, this guy hasn't lost a single roll, even though based on the probability, he should have lost a lot of times by now. Um, so they paused the contract. They figured out what was happening. They, I was very, very impressed by the DICE team. I was in a, a private telegram with them and some other people from uh, 2Bet and a couple other platforms, and they were all working together. You know, it's easy to see all these gambling platforms and go, oh, you know, they're all competitors. They're all going to try to take hits at each other. But um, you EOS Max, 2Bet, and DICE specifically were all working together to really you know, alert each other and say, hey, did you guys get this fixed? Did you pause your contract? The EOS Max team was asleep for a long time and the DICE team continually trying to wake them up and alert them and finally got through oh, to that, you know, pause the their smart contract. Oh, my goodness. It was, they were saying like, 
oh, it's an expensive sleep. And then Max from uh, Dice was saying, oh, I'm, I'm having an expensive time awake. Uh, so <laughs> I'm not sure which one is better. The, this, um, the, the way you anyway, described that, Rob, I just want to uh, put my perspective yeah. on it because I obviously wouldn't know yeah. how to even start on that hack. It reminds me of, have you ever played a, a, a video game or any type of game where there's like seasons or like a, a record keeping involved? So my example would be Madden. I have a Madden yeah. game and every time I'm about to lose to the computer, I shut the game off so that it doesn't register the game. <laughs> and then I'll start exactly. over because that's exactly what's happening. It's like you make a roll. If you win, you're yep. going to let it go through and then it's going to give you a win on that record but if you lose oh i'm gonna reset yeah. the game and start over that's a fan that's a fantastic it's, analogy you're hitting the reset button on the console before exactly. the losing losing one so, goes through so that's exactly what the person was that, doing that's been like my my like I, I always do like a connected franchise mode on madden with some guys i went to high school with and we stay in touch that way and most of the games are against the computer, so you don't want to lose against the computer, so you're always resetting. Like two right. years ago, they updated the game so that if you're playing it online mode in a connected franchise mode and you shut off in the middle of the game, when you turn the game back on, it picks you up right where you left off. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do it. That's like similar to the yeah, bug fix that it, basically exactly happened. So, Maybe this should um, sports. Shout out to Saeed uh, from EOS Cafe, also from Blocks.io, B-L-O-K-S.io, my favorite block explorer, um, that I've been using, I think, really since they launched and since I found out about it. But he and his team were instrumental in figuring out how they were exploiting these API nodes and then telling everybody, you know, including Dice, hey, this is the line of code that you need to add to prevent this exploit from happening. Um, so once all that was figured out, you know, huge shout out to him. Basically, this guy went after the the platforms with the biggest bankroll first, which is why Dice and then Max and 2Bet were hit. They've been the most successful gambling dApps on EOS by far. Um, so unfortunately... Unfortunate that they were targeted, um, but fortunate that they have enough bankroll to, to continue business as usual. Really didn't impact the platforms um, at all, and, and now has made all dApps more secure in the future. So that's really a good thing overall for the, the EOS mainnet. All right. Sorry, guys. Uh, my, my, my DSLR camera, I, I usually use it. Something happened. Growing pains of having a new set. Yeah. So I'm on the webcam. Hello. Uh, new angle. Um, I just, yeah. I think I was talking about the casinos, poor casinos. They've all been hacked a few times. But this is how you get better, though. You don't know about a security vulnerability until it's exposed. Now it can't be exposed again. So this this might happen. And it's just growing pains of a new network, new new technology, um, and then a a lot of stakes at risk. Let's just say that. These casinos are holding so much money that other people just see opportunity of, I want that money to be Absolutely. But you... This one's confusing, though, because you were telling me, we, we, we talked over lunch, you were telling me about what was going on with the stolen EOS. You want to kind of explain yeah, all these account creations? and? Yeah, things I don't on? understand the person's incentive for doing this exploit, because usually when you, you hack something or you exploit something, you know, you, you want to transfer that EOS out. You want to sell it through an exchange. You want to put it through something else, you know, through the RAM market, usually take it to a centralized exchange or something, and they, they turn it into something else, and they try to get that value out. But what's happened here is the person took their 300 some odd thousand EOS and they split them up into thousands of different accounts, each with 60.1 EOS, and they staked 40 of that EOS to CPU and 20 of that to net, to themselves. So they basically locked up all of the EOS that they stole across thousands of different accounts and staked it. So there's no way they can move it. There's no way they can extract that value out. If they ever want to unlock it, that gives people 72 hours to monitor their accounts again. So the incentives here were really weird. Like, why would somebody want to do this exploit and then not pull the value out? It, it kind of bizarre, and I have a lot of like weird theories about it that we won't get into, but um, I just thought it was kind of interesting the way that they were staking the EOS and not trying to actually get the value out. 
because usually what happens is they like they immediately send it to an exchange then like some of the more connected people in the block producer community will like phone the exchange yeah. and say hey you got to freeze this account and then it gets hopefully frozen in time before it's all liquidated but in this case uh, do you think they did it I, I know ecaf's kind of being ruled out in yeah. some way or ruled out of the picture in some ways but with, with the way things were where they could freeze funds and blacklist things, wouldn't it almost – do you think they're doing this to make it almost impossible for that ruling to even happen if they have to blacklist like 60,000 accounts? Potentially. Like, I mean no I think, the, I think that's that. a big part of it because that would create so many FUD headlines like uh, EOS block producers freeze 4,000 EOS accounts and it seems like this whole thing. But to that point, mm-hmm. I don't think that – ECAF or something like base layer arbitration where they're freezing accounts, and I think this is the general consensus among most of the other BPs I've talked to, is that that's not the right place for something like this to happen. If and when that person decides to send that EOS to an exchange, then that is where that that dispute should happen. You should take it to the exchange. They can freeze the account. They're already KYC'd on that exchange, so they can go in. They know who the person is, Mm -hmm. and they report that to the proper law enforcement. It doesn't make sense, in my opinion, to alter the entire protocol and alter the immutability of the protocol just to undo a, a small exploit, which really didn't impact any of these dApps in the long term, didn't impact any users. Um, so if that's ever going to be handled, if that's ever going to be recovered, it should happen on the exchange side, not on the EOS mainnet protocol side. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. I guess moving yeah. on. Let's get back to some good news. Uh, Scattered Desktop 10 yeah. update. Big upgrade for Scatter. Shout out to uh, the Scatter Wallet team. Uh, Nathan James and his brother, Rami, Rami. Sorry if I messed your name up. He's active on our Telegram channel. Plug the channel again. (laughs) Uh, So some some bullet point updates on the latest Scatter uh, Wallet. The, The biggest one I saw was it has an internal way to vote for proxies because I think that the general user of EOSIO, as as we gear away towards mass, mass adoption, it takes a lot of time to, to follow all these block producers, now referendums to know everything that's going oh, yeah. on. I think proxying is, is a way to put voting in the hands of the professionals with the, the most stake in the network. And those are the, a lot of them are making these decisions. So the proxy managers, let's say, like the guys at Shintai. And with this new internal tool is it allows a seven-day recurring proxy voting. So we, we kind of talked about this offline. I, I was under the impression of, and I don't think it's in the Constitution actually, is that Dan said something a while ago about not automating the restaking of votes because there, there's like a, de- a vote decay over a long period of time. Is it, is it two years, Rob? Um, yeah. I was, I was just looking at the wrong camera. So sorry it's okay. I was talking, it's, it's not, I wasn't looking at it's the not really camera. two years. The half-life is one year. So it basically gets cut in half every year. So you'd have 50% of your voting power after one year, then 25% of the original after you know a second year. So it you'll never really lose all of your voting power. It'll just go down to a point where it's it's minuscule unless you re-vote um, you know, to get that power back. But with, with this uh, recurring proxy voting, I believe what it'll do is, let's say I... I, I proxy all of my votes to the Shintai proxy. So over the period of a year, if I never did anything, I just left it go. I don't know how the uh, the smart contract on Shintai works. Maybe it would release the proxy vote because I get my tokens back. I don't know. But um, yeah, when you it's if when I don't you repeatedly restake, I lose. I lose. I exactly. My, my power yeah, there's really vote. no. So by, I don't think anybody's using the Chintai proxy to just proxy their vote to them. It's when you're using Chintai, it sort of automatically does it for you since the tokens go to them and then they sort of vote them on your behalf. So let's use Morio or yeah. Azure's Freedom Proxy as an example. 
let, let's say I'm, I'm I'm staking my votes towards Morio or Freedom Morio, yeah. And Mary, I don't know. That's how to okay. Say I just read them on my. I'm I'm just a computer. I'm just like a computer monster. I I don't talk. This shows the most I talk about crypto now that I'm not at the ICO. It's all good. So I don't usually say these words out loud. For the longest time, I didn't know if it was ETH or F, actually. Yeah, I think people people have their own <laughs> opinions on that. Even with EOS, there's EOS, there's EOS. I heard somebody say EOS the other day in one of the, the grand finale pitches at the hackathon, and I was like, I don't know if you're going to win if you say EOS in your pitch, but I'm just me. <laughs> I don't know if it, maybe they've got a great pitch and everyone else will start calling it EOS. Right, exactly. But um, what this allows is it allows... Your beginner user, may, or even an advanced user, any user who maybe doesn't want to uh, restake their votes every 30 days, seven days, whenever, however often they want to uh, repower their votes, maybe that's too much work for them. By using this recurring proxy voting, it pro you probably have to run your computer because I'm sure it maybe runs in the background to trigger some sort of transaction you whitelisted. But I, I do like the idea of it allows a passive... Uh, voter to re-energize their votes every seven days so we don't get that vote yeah. decay. Have, have you paid much attention to uh, the vote decay lately to see if it's an, still an ongoing yeah, issue? Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I, I wouldn't call it an issue. I call it more of a feature where, you know, people need to sort of reevaluate their votes over time. I like the idea of a proxy because when you pick a proxy, you're generally going to vote with that proxy for a while. Maybe you'll switch it out every now and then. But I think what they're doing with the seven-day thing is just a deferred transaction. So that transaction goes out at the beginning, but it's deferred for seven days and another one's deferred for 14 and, you know, 21, et cetera, et cetera, to continue it renewing. Um, but the decay is there. I think we're we're much lower in terms of the overall percent of EOS that are voted. I think it's down to like 10%. So we really need more people to vote to limit the impact that whales have and, and things like that. Um, but decay is always a very real real, uh, real thing, I guess we could call it, and definitely impacts the wow. rankings so a lot. Back up. You said only 10. I, I haven't looked at the stat in a while. Only 10% of tokens are actually voting. It's very, very low. So even though the majority of EOS tokens 50, are staked. Like 50% are staked. That's yep. what I was going to say. I always see that staked percentage number. So I'm always thinking roughly 50% in my head. But I don't actually look at how many of those are voting. So there's, I don't know what the percentage is. It's like 80% of the total votes are not, or 80% of the total staked tokens are not it's voting. a huge portion yeah i'm trying to figure out where i there's a place to see this stat um but anyway it's a much smaller percentage than the like 55 percent of tokens that are staked that are actually being voted which is pretty wild when you think about it and then the impact that that has um so if you have your token staked and you're not voting now is a great time to do it i mean if, if it's not motivating enough all we have to do is say hey there's this thing called the rex do you want free yeah. money yeah, that'll all come in time. Like you don't even have to you don't even have to research block producers. Here's a list of proxies yeah. that we think are very honest and reputable. Just stick to them and then start getting your free money. hundred percent. And realistic expectations. It might not be a lot of money at first, but as we scale the network, as transactions become more and more and cheaper and cheaper, and more people want to use them. That's that's when the, the real money might yeah. come, and it might not be right away, but over Definitely. time, well, and, I have faith in And speaking of wallet updates, in addition to Scatter10, um, we also have our final update that was released very recently for Ledger. So like I said at the beginning... I saw it in the yeah, Telegram. Yeah, yeah. We, fund, we funded Sorry. that $50,000 Ledger wallet. That The Trezor is coming very soon. We got a submission. It looks like it'll get approved. So once uh, Trezor approves it, we'll be able to pay them out and, and get that out to everybody. But the Ledger submission, when we came out with it, everybody said, hey, I'd like to be able to use this with dApps. So Crypto Fairy, he coded it away. 
he released an update that will securely allow you to interact with dApps from your ledger. And then people said, hey, we want to be able to interact with complex multi-action dApps like Chintai and like Nudex and all of these other uh, these other dApps that people want to use. And now that support is there as well. So now the ledger implementation of EOS is totally feature complete. So whether you want to stake or unstake or make a new account for somebody or use a complex multi-action dApp or delegate bandwidth, whatever you want to do, you can do it on the ledger now. So now it's 100% feature complete. Everything you want to do, you can do there. If you have any trouble with it, hop into our telegram at t.me slash cypherglass or the everything eos one at everythingeos.io and uh, we'll answer your questions and, and make sure you get it updated and, and set up properly. I think I think we're on, over on our time, so we're just going to fly through Let's some of these topics. So next thing on my list, I wanted to talk about Pix EOS. Yeah. And a couple of people in our Telegram channel have been real high yeah. on this. They've been sharing the links. I read the blog. I have not personally yet invested in it, but I think I nice. will. So just a matter of disclosure, by the time this airs, I might have a couple hundred bucks. Right. I don't know. Uh, Rob, you, you seem to be a little bit more familiar than I have. Uh, tell us about Pixios from, from your understanding. Of yeah, so I've done a lot of research on it. As disclosure, I do hold Pixios tokens. I participated in their uh, initial sale, um, which I believe is going on now on their website. Um, but I spoke at length with Fred. I read their white paper, did a lot of research. It, it's pretty cool. And I think, you know, we've been talking about mass adoption so much. I think this is yet another game that's targeting a totally different market away from the dice games. You know, dice games targeting gambling, that massive proven market. This is really targeting... Um, a market of of artists in a lot of ways. And it, what it is at its core, you could think of it as kind of the token economics of dice combined with the game Pixel Master to make a game that will have some kind of longevity um, where basically if I paint over a canvas, I own those pixels. Then if you paint over my pixels, I make some money from you, plus I get a portion of the total pot. And then you can bid on, say, once the canvas is complete, we could all bid on actually owning that canvas. And this is the part of the platform that I'm really excited about. Obviously, I think the game will be super fun. People that I've talked to that aren't even in EOS, aren't even in crypto, when you explain the game and say, hey, would, would you play this? They go, oh, wow, yeah, that sounds cool. Like creating art with a bunch of other people, I would play that. But in addition, they have things like uh, an NFT auction house where if I want to make a canvas and I want to issue 10 limited edition digital prints of that canvas, I can do so by making 10 unique NFT non-fungible tokens. Um, so those will be on EOS. You can prove, hey, I own one of 10 of that artist's you know, digital prints instead of just being able to copy and paste the image, you now know that you own one of the originals. So that, combined with a couple other features, have me really excited about it. But I think part of what I talked with Fred about is they have a ton of artists that they're working with. These are people that have never used a blockchain, probably really don't even understand how any of this stuff works, that are now going to be using Pixios because they can create on there. They can, you know, sell their artwork on there on the NFT auction house. They can do all kinds of stuff to empower these artists and, and open up this game to people of all ages, whether you're, you know, my uh, my niece who's getting set up with this and my brother helped her get set up. I think she's 11. She'll be playing. His wife will be playing, who's obviously much older um, than, than her daughter. Um, but all of these people have the potential to now enter the EOS ecosystem to play this game, to promote their art. And I think it has a huge potential to, to really get us, you know, one step closer to that mass adoption level. I, I think I want to take, so you mentioned the artists yeah. and I, when I think of artists, I think of painters. So I want to give a big shout out. So I first became aware of Pixios from Kenny Willis. Okay. So if you guys haven't checked out his new website, the EOSWriter.io, I just want to give them yeah, a plug very because cool. they've been uh, coming up with some amazing, like really well-written articles. So Kenny, I believe, is the one who threw up the website and has been pushing it really hard. But he has contributing authors from a couple different block producers or projects throughout the community. So huge shout out to Kenny. Uh, if you're, I know you're probably watching, yeah. but for the work you've been doing. Awesome work. Love what you're doing. Thank you for uh, bringing up Pixios into our channel 100%. and making me aware of it personally. 
uh, keep keep doing what you're doing at the EOS uh, Raider.io, and then Pixel Pix EOS is PixEOS.io. I will put the links in the description. Yeah, P-I-X. But huge shout out pixeos.io. I just want to give shout outs to to Kenny and obviously Pixios because and Fred just joined our Telegram channel this nice. morning. Actually, thanks, I, Fred. I, I had a chance to welcome him before we started uh, recording. Yeah, he's a great. I, uh, I spoke but, with him a lot. He's a great guy. They got a, a pretty passionate team. Um, a lot of them are artists themselves, and they just got an investment from Seal Capital as well, who's been uh, sort of a new player in the crypto space, which was exciting to see. So I'm excited about the project. I'm pretty bullish on it. Obviously, I hold the token, so I might be a little biased, but I think you know <laughs> some people don't like Dice because it's gambling based. You know, a lot of people have a negative connotation with gambling. Maybe they they don't touch it at all. I personally don't gamble either. Um, but I see that proven market. I see that there's a demand for it. So I want to support it and, and help that industry, you know, adopt EOS. And now I see this other market where maybe if you don't like gambling, maybe you like art, you like, you know, NFTs, digital collectibles. Maybe this is the platform for you to then, you know, help mass adoption come to EOS that isn't gambling based. So it, it's something that may be more appealing to people who hear gambling and they go, oh, no, 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 no. Art and collectibles. Oh, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll go that route instead. So mm-hmm. it's, it's another option for people. P- Pixel Masters was a yeah. hit, man. I, I didn't get into it because I got in a little late before I started taking it a yeah. little serious. But it was such a cool concept. I was constantly looking at the canvas and hearing the buzz, seeing the buzz around it. And this just takes that entire concept and, and adds all kinds of new features and native token that actually makes sense, it seems like, on the surface. Now, uh, the fact that it made a little bit of sense is one of the reasons I figured a couple hundred bucks would be worth a good investment for me. Not investment advice, because I never give investment advice. If you take my investment advice, you'll get wrecked. So <laughs> take, take, take it for 100%. what it is. But we have one final topic yeah. of this episode, Priv. EOS. Yeah. What is it, Rob? You did a little bit of research on it, and your brother came into the channel and made an announcement. Yeah, uh, tell us yeah so Privios. we've been aware of this for a little while. So Privios or Private EOS is, is sort of you know the, the combination of these two words, Privios, Privios, however you want to say it, um, is, is basically a layer that will exist. First of all, they're blockchain agnostic. So this could exist on any EOSIO blockchain, potentially even, even other chains. Um, but Privios is a layer of data privacy that's coming to the EOS mainnet. So essentially, you can imagine if I am trying to comply with GDPR laws in Europe where, you know, now the way that you hold customer data is very, very heavily regulated. Things in the U.S. with medical records, if I want to make, you know, a healthcare based DAP on EOS, I'm going to need to be able to store my user's data privately on a blockchain. But as we all know, when you store something on a blockchain, you can see that in public. I can go and see the memo that you put in that transaction. I can see the data that you're storing. So what Privios does is it basically allows developers to store data anonymously, to store it privately on the EOS blockchain so that you can't just go on a block explorer and read my birth date and read all my medical information. And only the people that I grant access to it, say my doctor or whoever the person is, can then access that data. So you can imagine, I mean, there are a massive amount of applications that will need something like Privios and this this sort of um, data obfuscation layer where, hey, I want to store data securely. I'm going to use Privios. Hey, I, I need to comply with HIPAA laws in the U.S. I'm going to use Privios. Um, hey, I have a you know a gambling DAP and I want to obscure this data that maybe I want to be able to verify later. I'm going to use Privios. So rather than forcing all of these developers to build their own less secure implementations of data obfuscation and data privacy on EOS. They're basically standardizing it and saying, hey, 
just use Privios, use our library, and boom, now that functionality is possible in your DAP. So this is something that we're super excited about at Cypherglass. We will be supporting them. We'll be running nodes and infrastructure for their project once it goes live next year. Um, so we're excited about it, and I think it's going to add a ton of value to the EOS mainnet and some of these other chains that they end up supporting awesome. as well. So I, I think I think Definitely, that's a good yeah. spot to, to leave off. Um, thank you all if you've made it this far in the episode. Uh, once again, plug the Telegram channel and also plug to if you can share this on Reddit uh, because we are on the new YouTube channel, new iTunes channel, new SoundCloud channel. Um, if you found us, thank you. If you made it this far, thank you. Uh, please plug this wherever you can because it's going to be an uphill battle for us to move our subscriber base over. Uh, but we have a really engaged community. I don't think we're going to have trouble doing it. But thank you so much for watching. Uh, Rob, you have anything else you want to throw in? Last thing I'll say, if you want to sort of impact the content that we're making on Everything EOS, we obviously have plans for some new content series. But if you say, hey, I want a series where you review dApps or I want a series where you do this, let us know in the comments and we'll likely make a series around that or at least make a show around that. So you're going to impact the future of Everything EOS and we can't wait to see what we all come up with all together. Right. I think that's a good spot to leave it off. So once again, episode number 40, but number one on the new channel. I'm Zach Gall. Yep. And this I'm Rob Finch. is Everything EOS. Oh yeah.